Welcome to the Greenlight Pod. We're on the road. Uh, this is much different than our usual Charlottesville set. Radio Row, Miami. Got great guests here. Uh, we're going to have Boomer Sison. We're going to have uh, Matt Patricia, my former coach, Kyle Long's with us. Uh, and then the, the, the home run for, I mean, how do we, we're going to get Dr. Oz. I mean, this is like, I'm going to fucking fanboy out. I could talk to Dr. Oz for an hour, but we'll have him for a couple minutes. So stick around. It'll be a great show. Greenlight uh, podcast, a road show, um, antique road show, a couple washed up NFL players here. I was going to say we are, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is Making Gunner. Oh, no, it's not. It's my brother, Kyle Long. Yes. Uh, my normal co-host is slinging real estate back in Virginia, so I found this big-ass dude uh, wandering South Beach. Is he healthy enough to be slinging real estate right Making now? Making a, yeah. Shout out to him. Prayers to him. He has a... Uh, a bicep issue. He got an MRI the other day, so thoughts. We're thinking about you, Macon. I'm live here from Miami, where last night I uh, didn't realize that there were there were really two uh, units of alcohol in martinis. So I thought it was. Tr- That's the text I got from Chris this morning. Is martini one or two drinks? Hey, I, I did a thing where I do a drink log <gasps> to see, you know, monitor my consumption. And I look at it in the morning. I'm like. Man, this does not feel like a nine-drink night. Beer, bottle of water, beer, bottle of water, beer, bottle of water. Man, for me it was, hold on. That's how it's done. Martini, martini, tequila shot, martini, martini, Peroni, Corona, Corona, Corona. That's my speed. Mexican beer, uh, you know. You went from Peroni to Corona? Yeah, I was was all over the globe. You were ordering Peroni, you were like, Corona. Peronas. Peronas. I want a Piranha. Just give me a fish. Give me a bucket of fish. Give me a bucket of broth. You know, the worst part is you get back to the room, and this is usually a bad sign. I assaulted the mini bar. I just assaulted, well, it was more the Pringles is what I was after. When you bust open the Pringles at 3 a.m. And your hands are too big, so you have to pour it. Oh, it's just, it's, it's it's a low point. It's just a low point. And I woke up, I'm working on about four hours of sleep here. Come down to Radio Row because content is king. And there are people out here we got to talk to. We're going to have a number of great guests here today, uh, including my brother Kyle. Um, newly retired. Love it. I love to see you on this side. Of, I'm uh, on hiatus, so you never know. Yeah, we all never know. But good luck getting uncomfortable again. I'm just telling you, one fall out. There was a time where I was like, yeah, I'm going to come back. I'm going to go play for the Eagles or I'll go play somewhere else. Fuck no, it. there's no shot of me playing ever again. Once you spend done. multiple months out, it becomes really hard. You don't realize, you don't realize how uncomfortable you were for so long. I would say you don't realize how good life is until you're out of football. <laughs> it's the biggest. The joke's on us. Shit. The joke's on us. I did this my entire twenties, like the prime of my life. Now oh. it's all downhill from here. Yeah. And I'm just getting a taste of what uh, what normal life is like. So we got a number of guests today. I know we have Boomer Esiason coming on. Uh, he's That'll here, be good. He's here with hummus. I love hummus. You know, the guys got their partnerships, right? Their sponsorship partnerships. I was I was here yesterday with Narcan. That was a really good, really good uh, partnership for me because I really believe in what they're doing. Boomer evidently believes in hummus. I believe in hummus. My son Waylon loves hummus. Um, so we'll, we'll give Boomer a chance to plug Sabra Hummus and talking about the Super Bowl. Boomer played in 88. People forget about that game. 
he drove him right down the field before Montana took over, and he had won the game for him until uh, the uh, Niners offense. It's unfortunate out. how history chooses to remember things. Yeah. And how close. How close. Things are from being massively different yep. in, the, in the history books. And I know the Bengals have like sort of a tortured <coughs> fan base, but uh, if, if you're a young Bengals fan, you might not remember those those golden years where it's I mean, probably it, worth a watch get on YouTube go check it out go check it out there's some good old footage and by the way they had some fire unis in the 80s I'm always talking about unis well the Anthony Munoz oh tapes. I saw him yesterday the he nicest guy you. the nicest guy I've met yet who's the coolest dude you've seen here Anthony because you see him across the room as an offensive lineman offensive tackle and I say that's one of the goats, if not the goat. And he has an aura. He and like, then he walks up to you and you get twisted fingers on yeah, your arm. Yeah, like, hey, buddy. And he's like, Kyle. Yeah, yep. Hey, soft-spoken. And the funniest thing was when I was at the Pro Bowl with, with Dad, maybe before you were born, but actually it was probably like 88 or 90 or something, so it was right around when you came into the world uh, and, you know, got spawned in a ball of lightning like Terminator. Um, yeah. I got stuck on an elevator with Anthony Munoz's family told for me that well story. over 45 an hour. minutes. They yeah, said. it felt like forever. Uh, you know, third floor in Hawaii, claustrophobic. This is before cell phones. Yes. I'm three years old. I'm terrified. His wife told me the story. Yep, yep, yep. So that was the coolest person you saw. Yep. You probably or number two. You're a pretty cool oh, guy. Thank you're, you. you're hard. Anybody who wears a, a, a denim jacket like this with the shades on the neck. Pretty cool. I'm pretty damn cool now. Top 10 cool. I showed up, uh, my boy Zolak from New England. Uh, if you know Zolak, Zolak's got the shades on for another reason because he's been out. Well, I guess I could use that excuse this morning, but Zolak had the shades on unapologetically here yesterday on Radio Row. The entire day, making content with shades on. That's great. So what's your policy on shades indoor at Radio Row? It crossed my mind because all these bright lights, I had LASIK last year, so my eyes are sensitive to light. And if I were to wear these, I'd be the content creator. You can shine all the lights in the world this at me. This is uh, the tiniest violin, violin yes. for your LASIK. I mean, like, how did how did the early settlers do it? You know, without it was, LASIK, it must have been tough. It must have actually. It would have been tough. Can you imagine if you couldn't get like contact lenses back in Revolutionary War well, you had time? To go you hunt to even, get your stuff. You had to. You couldn't even see what the fuck was going on. Um, so we're gonna talk about the game today. Uh, we're gonna talk about. A couple issues that arose last night. I took some notes. This is, I'm, I'm in total, my life is in shambles. Uh, you took notes on the issues that arose last night. I can assure you, yeah, you have a you, lot of notes. Do you eat, there's, I saw you this morning. <laughs> here's what the note, here's what the notes read. Do you eat olives in your martini? I don't order martinis. If you were to eat, like, the I folks would, offset here. Back behind the camera, okay? If you I get a martini, is it jar. acceptable to eat the olives? So guys are saying that's why they order a martini. That makes me feel a lot better because I couldn't I'm tell. I'm not if going was, out with those guys. I couldn't tell if I was a moron or not. You know, they say don't put a lemon in your water. It's the dirtiest thing at a restaurant. I'm sure the olives aren't far behind. The shell. But I'm chomping the bones, them down. The bone on the lemon. Hey, what up, baby? Good to see you. The Make bone you on the lemon. Brother. How you doing, man? Welcome no, to the Green Light Pod. Man. Friend of the program here. Look at him walking by. There you go. Baker, Baker, Baker. Nice shirt. You missed that I called the lemon skid the bone of the lemon, by the way. Oh, I missed that because I was talking part, to Baker. Yeah. He's pretty cool, though. Baker he is cool. Good. And I think he's going to have a really good year next year. I think Stefanski. Do you know he lives at the stadium? Baker, yeah. I've seen it on TV. It's crazy. It's great. By the way, great actor. Yeah. Great actor. Tremendous. Really is. Like, yeah. terrific. But I think he's going to have a good year next year. And I think that uh, I think we're going to find out real quick in Minnesota 
Uh, we're we're going to find out in Minnesota that, uh, you know, whether it was Stefanski or Kubiak or, or, you know, if it was Kirk that had all that passing game success this year. Um, I actually like the hire there in Cleveland. You know, I'm like everybody else. I want to see Biennemi get a job. But if it wasn't him, uh, Stefanski's not a bad hire. He has paid his dues. I know he's got that young face. But he's been in the league. He's the longest tenured Vikings coach, the guy who just came from uh, the Vikings to, to be the head coach uh, in Cleveland. So, so the, the martini thing is uh, is settled. You yeah. can eat the olives. Do you tip Do you for- eat bar nuts? Yes, I eat bar nuts. Yeah, same. Same as when they hand you the hot nuts on the plane. It's like, thank you. Those hot nuts on the plane, they, like after two batches of them, ten I'm, out of I'm ten, totally my favorite it. thing on the plane. Ah. Warm, warm, you're bougie, flying first nuts. class. Also, you didn't go out last night, so you're feeling pretty fresh and good. Yeah, I haven't been out yet. You're just playing video games in the room? No, just hanging out, man. I, I, I walk around, get some food. I like being in the warm air. It's nice, but then I, I get to bed early. Go, go look at the manatees. Yell at some animals. <laughs> See animals. Uh, who do you like Sunday before we get into some of uh, I like San Francisco a lot. It's their complete team. It's hard to pick against Patty Mahomes. He's But you just did it. He's the best quarterback in the league, but yeah. when you have the most complete team in the league, that often trumps it. Supersedes it. I saw it with the Eagles a few years ago against the Patriots. Yeah. We were a better team. And a defensive they front had that was dominant. Yeah, that was a good D-line. And, you know, you may know a little bit about that storyline, yeah. but uh, that's, that's why I'm picking the Niners. As an offensive lineman, I know how much of an issue a tremendous defense can cause yeah. to an entire game plan. And, and, you know, as good as we were in that Super Bowl, we got run through like, uh, you know, what do they say, shit through a goose? What do they say? But it happens. Yeah, I mean, 41-33, we won a But you had out. enough. Yeah, we did, we, 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 we did enough. We made one play when we had to. And I think that's what's going to have to happen. Uh, and your lockdown coverage on the reverse swing pass yep. to Brady was People forget. Exceptional. People forget. You're like a safety, you're like a blanket, Richard Sherman. I am like a, a an old white Richard Sherman. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and I and I play man all the time. I know there's been some man zone conversation. Oh, I know. I, I was in man. I was manned up on Tom Brady. Yeah, an- an- another thing I noticed in my in my notes last night, I got made fun of. I went out to dinner with Ryan and Big Cat, right? So I cut my steak up. Did you see this? Did you just name drop two of the biggest media members? Well, it's gonna be we're media in Miami media moguls now. Oh my God! So so look at this steak here for the people out there. I saw it. It's gr- grossed me out. Your element is that your steak? So people, or can they see this on the camera? And people listening out there, this is my steak last night uh, at Quality Meats. People were making fun of me because I cut my fucking steak up before. Why I do you it. do that? I'm 34 years old. Nobody's ever complained about this to me. No, no, but. I didn't ask how old you were. I said, why do you do that? Because it, I want to eat my fucking steak. I don't want to wait, take a bite, cut, take a bite, cut, take a bite. Not my thing. I want to eat the steak. Is this weird? I feel like I'm talking to Joe Goldberg from you. I don't, I don't get which the is, reference. Which is the, uh, the thriller murder mystery that I've been watching recently. And you Apparently have some of these tendencies. <laughs> Somebody did call me a serial killer for cutting my steak up. It's, uh, it's weird. Do y'all cut your steak before you... You cool so your steak been... off quicker. Yeah, people... You cool your steak off quicker. The juices go out. There's a, a litany of reasons. This to is life changing. Keep your steak I bet everybody would criticize me if I just picked the fucking thing up and started gnawing on it. Though, it's too. the you same can't thing win. they say when you get a deep dish pizza in Chicago. Do you want it cut or uncut? Overrated. And they say Overrated. keep it uncut. Well, everybody's got opinions. 
It's okay. I'm not a deep dish pizza guy. But they do ask you, do you want it cut or uncut? Because, and I always say cut, and they're like, oh, you're not a purist. In the same sense as I just want to eat the pizza. I want yeah, it to so be I'm prepared. not a purist when it comes to the steak. And I that's guess. okay. Um, best pizza place while we're on it in Chicago. Shout somebody out. Local for me, Ferentino's in Lake Forest. They always take care of me. Of course they do. They always take care of me. If I go to Ferentino's, will they take care of me? Well, they'll be on time with your order, yeah. That's, okay, good. that's the way they do it. Okay, good. So my, my read on the game Sunday bouncing around here, uh, initially I was on the over. Uh, that number's been sitting at like 55. I kind of got talked out of the over. Um, I think it's actually due to the fact that I think both teams do really well limiting big plays. Um, I, I, do think, um, I do think Spags is going to sell out to stop the run and make Jimmy G beat them. Uh, but I still think that big plays are going to be hard to come by. I think it's actually going to be a relatively lower scoring game than you think. Uh, a lot of nerves. Um, defenses usually show up in Super Bowls. I, I, I think even with the offensive uh, minds that are calling plays and have two weeks respectively to, to plan, I think the defenses will play better than you think, even on the Kansas City side. So I'm liking Kansas City, let's say 29-27. I've got, a, a, I've got a, a way of thinking about it where it's like, Turn, the defenses are going to be the unsung heroes, and I think that with turnovers comes more points. I was thinking the under as well. Yeah. But if there are turnovers and there are forced mistakes, then it could sudden changes. Yeah. I've been on a team before with not a great offense that's put up 50 points like that. Yeah. Because of sudden change. Right. Uh, as you alluded to, defenses. But uh, I'll go. Did you just take a shot at your Bears' offenses? In the past, yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I did. Since I'm not pulling apart. Uh, but I would say uh, San Francisco, 35-28. Okay. 35-31. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, did you hear the the, the crazy, eerie um, – I did this on the pod the other day. We'll see if I can actually remember it. The, the similarities between the 94 team uh, that, that won a Super Bowl right here in Miami at Joe Robbie Stadium. Uh, Steve Young, Jerry Rice beat the Chargers up. It's an easily forgettable Super Bowl, not competitive. And then this year's team, uh, you got a Shanahan calling the plays on both teams. You've got two big acquisitions at the linebacker and defensive backfield spots uh, in Ken Norton Jr. through trades and Deion Sanders. You got Quan Alexander, Richard Sherman. Uh, you have two quarterbacks who are backing up Hall of Famers in Steve Young and Jimmy Garoppolo. And they're two of four. Uh, let me see if I can stick the landing to win a Super Bowl as backups and be back as starters. So there's like a ton of eerie, eerie uh, similarities between the two That's, teams. You're going to have to write that down. That's my Russ Cole moment. Like we did your Russ Cole board at, yep. the, uh, yep. at the podcast studio, but we're going to have to do that again. Yeah, yeah. So, for that. Um, so that's kind of all I got on the game. Otherwise, like I'm just trying to survive down here. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we talk about the over red. Too much red. I feel like I'm at a Lannister like yeah, it's, it's, self suck party. It's it's too it's too much. I, I'm getting confused on the teams, uh, et cetera. Uh, who's who? Okay, let me let me let me pose this question to you. Who's the scariest D lineman on the field? You're an off, you're an offensive lineman. You played seven years in the league. You've seen them all. Scariest in this game. In this game. Um. When healthy, the 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 biggest problem is Chris Jones. I agree. When healthy. Why is he so good? Because the combination of his get-off, his strength, and his physicality, and he's so long. Yeah. People don't get how long he is. He's a tall motherfucker. Um, 
and he's a big kid and he's competitive. Yeah, he's really competitive. And you know what I like about him is he wins at the line. As as twitchy as he is, he's twitchy. He's very laterally. I mean, like he'll drop people. It's not like he has blockers hanging on him when he when he picks up his sacks. Yes, he he's gonna win right now, and uh, and he's just super disruptive. And because obviously he has a plan. He has a plan. Um, a guy that I did not know too much about coming out of Mississippi State. That's where he went to school. And right? it's funny because Mississippi State, Chris Jones. It's funny because guys like Chris Jones and Fletcher. Yes. You see them and you say, I have to gear up for a heavyweight fight. And the next thing you know, they're doing lightweight shit to yeah, you. Yeah, lightweight stuff. Oh, I can't tell who's who. Look at this. Guys, welcome to the What's pod. What's up, my brother? Where's my guy? What's Bacordi up, my brothers? brothers? Howie Jr. He's supposed to be sitting right there. These guys are related. He's supposed to be sitting right there, man. What's up, dude? Oh, we both wear our hat, man. Let's go. Oh, we wear the same shirt. We're twins. That means we were born at the same time. Who cares? I'm over it. Born together. Gonna, how long are you going to... Talk about that fucking gimmick. Big deal. We staggered We both it. have beards. We were born different years. What the fuck? Who cares? We're brothers great too. Great dudes, the McCordys. The McCordys are great dudes. The biggest smartasses. But like literally the twin thing is fucked up because I played with Dev and one time his brother, Jason, like showed up to this uh, meeting at the league office and I went to dap him up like it was Dev. And he, he smiled big. He's like, you don't know who I am. You don't know which one I am, do you? And for a second, I didn't know. That's got to be like hard. A moron. In uh, junior high, I dated an identical twin, and that was a that was a crazy experience. Don't name drop. Don't dox. I won't. But I dated an identical twin, and it was as you get to know them more. And it was briefly. And How was junior high dating? For me, very awkward. I sounded like this. <laughs> I uh, everything was weird. Yes. Open seat? Yes, over here. here you sit in the middle. Guest of honor. Forget about it. <laughs> now we're talking. Look, now at, we guys, talk guys, for ball. the people listening. Yeah, I'm Mike, so you get the people listening. We're not even going to break here uh, to talk to Matty P. Matt Patricia, head football coach of the Detroit Football Lions. You guys got some nice chairs. These are this is it's a good setup. We're comfortable people. Yeah. <laughs> and formerly, uh, you know, my D coordinator in New England, uh, we won a ring together. We did. Special fucking year. Yep. Um, and wear of comfortable shirts. Yeah. Tommy uh, Bahama, is that? It is. It is. I like. Uh, you know, I need some room. Yeah. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not the in shape guys. I don't no. really. I don't have that going for but me right now. Is, so the beard, the beard is. is yeah, that's my diet program. So I pretty much. I let it, in, yeah. Like, I let it grow as wide as possible. Uh, I put on about 60 pounds during the season, and then uh, when I trim it down, everyone's like, God, you look great. Did you lose weight? I was like, yes, I did. I yes, said I did. that to you. Yeah, you're no, like, God, overproduced. You I, said, exactly. you look, I said, you look exactly. great. Yeah. And you go, nah, dude. Yeah, I'm not, not, not even close. I'm like a biscuit away from like not making it. So one of my favorite coaches here, Matty P, is my uh, is my mic falls off. I, hey, let, nice. me ask him, let me ask him a question. Yeah, ask him a question that. at NFC Because uh, one North of the things question. that I – that I want to pick people's brains about is you've had a unique opportunity to hang out with both of us at work. Yes. Together. Yes. Joint practices. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about he what my that rib, was like yeah. seeing I, one of your guys I and his was, brother? Uh, I thought it looked like kind of like, um, you know, a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old in the living room trying to wrestle. That's kind of what it looked like to me right <laughs> trying now. Trying to wrestle. Because that was one of my I mean, favorite trying, weeks. Yeah. Trying. It was. That was. You know what? Here's the thing. You're much more vocal all the time yeah but when you finally go vocal yeah. you're much more pissed yeah. you're like yeah. it's like serious yeah, yeah so obviously there was those points where you know and knowing your dad your dad came in yelled at you 
And then when dad left, you yelled at him because yeah. it was his fault. Yeah. Like you could see that dynamic. I did. I got out. blamed for everything. He would break a lamp right. and I would get grounded. And then, and then you would take it out on him and later. And I'm blaming yes. mom and dad because the lamp was weak. And he's the weak. favorite, Matt. Right. He's right. the favorite. So. I mean, I, listen, I know how that works. Yeah. I got that. Yeah. I got a sister. Uh, I have two sisters. Our middle sister. So you're sister. not the favorite? Absolutely not even close. When I was born, it was like. Any other like, NFL coaches in your family? Nah, she was in Phantom of the Opera. Like it totally blows me. You know, I don't even have a chance. Okay. I was like, take out the garbage. Cut mold, sister was mold in Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Like like the, the show, yeah. the big show. Yeah, the like 20 the minors. Opera. Yeah, no, she was on tour with the show. She was out of Broadway Stop for it. like 20 plus years. Yeah, it was amazing. Way tougher than, uh, no offense, but most of the guys yeah, I've coached. Yeah, no she's doubt like, about it. She's a ballerina. No was doubt like, about it. It was amazing. That's insane. So, yeah, That's I didn't know, talent. I didn't know about yep. that. Yeah. The first thing I want to ask you about, well, first off, that joint practice was fucked up because I beat him on a stunt. Totally. Did you see? I, remember yep. when I beat him on a stunt? He and whipped his yep. big treat. He, yeah. he cracked my rib. Yep. Yeah. I he mean, cracked my rib over was, nothing. See, that's what I'm saying. There was more than just a practice. That was not over nothing. That was something no, that but happened. That was so much fun ten, for us. Yeah, ten years ago. Two minutes ago. It was. It was. I, the only thing I remember is when you guys were walking up the field. I was mad. Yeah. So I put the seven man sled out, yeah. and I was like, we're. We're hitting seven, man. I don't care. I remember your coach is walking out going, what? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. They made us oh, run they, hills. Yeah. I was like, I don't run, guys, yeah. ever. Don't make me run. Oh, that hill. That yeah. hill. Yeah. Which, Which was, was not difficult. Yeah. That hill was not difficult. It was just fucking annoying. Yeah, it was a mind. It was, it was a mindset. Like, it was a really got to go yeah. It's cold. It is. It is. And I, I got, I got to really get outrun by Shaq Mason every time. And Billy should stand at the top of the hill and go, Shaq. How many times did Bill just say, Shaq? Every time. Shaq never lost. Never lost. There but might, there might really be a good. hill in Detroit. There might be a hill. There you got to find one. You know, no, I'm, I might already have one. I hear one. there's a hill in Chicago. They built one. Th- yeah. That's the rumor. I built one in Detroit. You're going to build a hill. I already I never, did. I never built it last year. Okay. Yeah. I never you ran it ours. So, so the, the, the Bears-related content here, indirectly, one of the biggest things I remember about that Super Bowl run, and I love this, and I talk about it, at the end of camp days, I just want to go the fuck home. Everybody knows players want to go home. It's 10 at night. This dude would keep us late and be like, Matt, what the hell are we doing? And then we turn on this video yeah. of the 85 Bears. Yeah. And it was like, and I'm getting chills thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Perspective. Um, but we used to sit in camp and yeah. Matt used to say, this is the goal here. We want to be like the 85 Bears. Of course, we were the number one scoring defense in the league and we, we had a badass group. But I also thought that we, the sum of our parts was better yeah. than, you know, like, yeah. how were they say it? I mean, I don't think we had any superstars. We just were all, like, we were a good team. Yeah, everybody working together. But we watched that that Chicago Bears, um, yeah. that thing. Where did you find it? It was the 30 and, for like, 30 special. Yeah. That, uh, you know, it just it was something that I watched that really resonated with me. And uh, But I thought what was great about it, as much as, you know, the great team and all teams are different, but I always think the perspective of uh, players that have played, that have been on championship teams, and you listen to those guys, Mike Singletary, yeah. you listen to those guys talk about, um, you know, what it meant to them, and and you know Hampton, yeah. or, you know, talking about coming out of the the tunnel and listening to the crowd. And I just thought it was something for us at that time that was like, hey, don't forget, like this is going to go by really fast, yeah. and we've got something special. We got to build on it. Let's let's appreciate yeah. it, and let's be that. And Let's the brotherhood. be that at the end. And the brotherhood is the number you one thing. You can still feel it in the interviews. Tangible, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And it's something I, you know, I, yeah. I said to you guys the night before the Super Bowl, I said, you know, uh, when you win this game, you know, you're bonded for life. Yeah. And it's true. You know, uh, I've been on, unfortunately, I've been on the ones that have lost. And those are great teams, and I love those guys. Uh, but when you walk off that field and the confetti's coming down and you're crying and you're telling grown men around you you love them 
and you mean it and the sacrifice that everybody went through to be there. Um, you can call me anytime and you know this. Yeah, I'll that's do the way anything. It is. I'll do anything at any time and for likewise, you. Likewise, that's and, the way it is. And that's what happens yeah. with those teams. I and saw that's what's so great. yesterday. I saw yeah. Hero. Yeah. You run into guys you hadn't seen in years. And it's, it's, you don't even have to win a Super Bowl, but you know, it just enhances that that yep. brotherhood where you, you'll always be together. Yeah. You know, and yep. uh so that run, I mean, everybody remembers 28-3. When I sign an autograph for a Pats fan, I write 28-3. Yep. It's like one of my favorite things. But there were moments in there through the year that I'm sure you remember that were less heralded moments. What do you remember about the year? Were there moments that were under the radar, turning points for us that, that, that stuck out? Um, yeah, that's a great question, too. I mean, I think there's always points in the season where things get going, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, you yeah. know, it's about to light up, yeah. you know, it's about to light and fire. It's about to go. It's about to go. Yeah. yeah. And you just, you had that confidence about it. And it's usually right around Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, and we have a couple of those games where, uh, you know, it's not great, but when everybody walks back in the building on, you know, Monday or whatever it is, it's no, no, we're, that's not going to happen again. And, and that you was, could you feel guys that. did that. Yeah. I mean, like, that was what I liked about what Bill did. And I wonder if you do this in Detroit. Um, is you know having everybody in the meeting room so they get it at the same time yeah. and everybody's on the same page yep. that was very unique and i'm talking about of course mondays for people that didn't play in the league and kyle you know this from having different coaches not every coach you know hits you square in the forehead with it on monday Some teams in don't front have of team the meetings. they don't have team yeah. meetings Some so i thought that was really it. cool i mean anybody could get it in that meeting i used to be sitting up there with my ass so tight hey. like don't let it be me <laughs> You, you want to be the guy at the end that says, now we're going to watch this guy yeah, yeah. from the game. Yeah. Bill wasn't and doing, this guy's ready every play. Bill wasn't doing too much of the, the we're going to watch this guy. More low There's only one yeah. guy that, yeah. that last year that I watched on film, and that was Allen Robinson. I, I couldn't yeah. even yeah. tie my own shoes last year. It right. was embarrassing. Yeah. But you put the film on, yeah. and that's a guy I can speak to that without was playing putting hard. other people down. Yeah. Allen Robinson He's great. A man. He's unbelievable. And, you know, I remember him from even before, you God. know, playing against him in the AFC. And uh, – uh, just unbelievable player, and every week you'd put that tape on. But the same thing as far as walking into those team meetings Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, saying, all right, fellas, look, this is what we got to do, and just being able to spell that out. So you could be a defensive player, but if you're listening, you're going to know exactly what the offense needs to do. And it I helps. think that's what builds that. I learned that. football. And you learned football. Like, I knew and football, that's what built. Yep. but there's a difference, and I always say this about Bill, and the reason I, and people ask me why he's the greatest, Listen, like me and Bill didn't agree on everything. Like you, that's what working in the NFL is like. But he's the greatest head coach of all time, and I believe that because he can walk around the the, uh, the building and coach the positions as well as every position coach. Yeah, if, Save if for not, Scar, if not better. Save for Scar. Scar is unbelievable too. And, and you know yeah. those, you know he's probably one of those guys that he's walking away, uh, huh? That's that's like yeah. the most underrated assistant coach in the history of the game. I mean, he's probably the best offensive, offensive line, line coach, coach in, in yes. history. And, and he's one of those guys that's just always under the radar. And, yeah. you know, I worked on that side of the ball for two years. I was the assistant uh, O-line coach. And, and learning from him, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really But it's special. that comprehensive knowledge yeah. that you need to be a head coach. Yeah. Is that the hard, hardest thing about being a head coach is now, like, what, what surprised you about, like, damn, I have that responsibility now? Yeah, um, you know, not every head coach does, you know, does that. You know, yeah. some head coaches stay on their side. I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy being, you know, in every room. Involved, talking, yeah, yeah, talking offense, talking special teams, talking defense, or, you know, certainly 
I've been trained to look at it from both perspectives. Yeah. So I'm going to walk into the offense and be like, hey, look, they got this blitz check. They're going to here. But if we do this, this, and this, like, they don't have an answer yeah. for it. You know, and it's just sometimes, from my perspective, I can help those guys out right. and just give them some advice. So um, The culture. You know, you're, you know, there's always that fine line because, like, when the New England thing, when you leave New England, people are like, is he going to be Bill? Is he going to act too much like Bill? I think you got a great mix of Bill and yourself. I mean, you know, everybody acts like who they, sure. to a degree, like who they learn from. Yep. I don't think it's a bad thing, like, were you cognizant of like that challenge of I got to be me, but I got to bring that culture that we learned in yeah. New England and, and how the guys helped you translate that, the guys you brought over? Yeah, you know, and I think that's the, that's the hardest part is um, instantly when you are around uh, one place for so long, they tag you as that's who you are. Yeah. You know, um, that's not me. Like, I'm still me. I'm going to yeah. be my personality. And, you know, you guys in the defensive room, you see that. And, you know, it doesn't mean I'm not fire. It doesn't mean I'm not fiery. It doesn't mean I don't want to no, you are. It doesn't mean I'm not intense. Um, but that's still Different me. ways that's, to be intense. That's still me. But I do believe in what we were taught there. Yeah. And I do think um, that that's where you got to start. And I think what's been neat for me now going into year three is that uh, we're building the Detroit Lions. We're yeah. not building New England. Yeah. So, for us, it's about... All right, here's our foundation. This is what we're going to believe in the first couple of years. How has it grown? And now the guys that we have. And really, the great players that were there. You know, Matthew Stafford. We're building around him. You know, you he's should. already he's a yeah, hell of a he's player. unbelievable. Great so, dude, yeah, too. Unbelievable guy. Amazing, amazing person. You know, great player. Underappreciated in the league. Yeah. Totally unappreciated. Totally unappreciated. Yeah. And everything he does off the field and, and as a teammate. Uh, and his toughness, I mean, like, it's unbelievable. So we build around that. But we have a foundation and a principle we believe in. And, uh, you know, we're bringing guys in. We're building the guys that are there. And, you know, I really enjoyed coaching the team um, because I know, like, we didn't have a great year, but I thought our team fought hard. Good you know, team, I though. Think they, Good they team. Played I don't their, care what they're like. You uh, guys, when we talk, we talk about, like, and I'm always pulling for you guys. There were just bad breaks early, and every team has them. But you guys are close, man. And uh, how, how hard is that? You know, to keep a team that's having this bad luck happen yeah. and, and keep their heads up and not like, how do you walk the fine line of getting in their ass when you need yeah. to, but building them up? Yeah, it's a great comp uh, great question. I mean, but you have to have that compliment because you can't ignore the bad football. You got to make sure you address it from that standpoint. You coach it and teach it. Um, but I think the guys were real receptive to that. Yeah. Uh, I think the bigger thing for us was, and you know, really, I know the situation I walked into. And we haven't had success in a long time, right. but it's just that mindset of like something bad happens, and it's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, not, no, here we go again. Right. Like, I don't care what happened before. Right. This is what we're gonna be, and we got to push through that and forget about that. And that's what we're trying to get to. And um, you know, hopefully, we can build for that next year. How's my boy Dola? He's great. I mean, he's the same, <laughs> a thousand miles an he hour, all the time, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And and I love him. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love him. Yeah. And. Um, just it was a it was a pleasure to be around him again just because you know the energy yeah. you know the demand that he creates uh and i really think he helped the guys that we had you know yeah. kenny and marv are great players and danny brings a whole new level of intensity and i think those three like they just fed off Absolutely. You know, uh, with Absolutely. each other so coach you got 30 32 team battle royale one player from each team shows up who's your contestant and who do you think league-wide leaves the room Wow, that is an awesome question. <laughs> that is an awesome question. Um, okay, Battle Royale. And how would I submit them? Yeah, yeah, no, there's there's no <laughs> doubt. I mean, I think we can put Stafford out there, and he's not he going to tap out. He would be willing to, he, yeah. Yeah, and he's not going to tap out. So, you know, you're going to have to just completely uh, completely get him out. Uh, I know it wouldn't league, be Sean. In the league. <laughs> in the whole league? <laughs> Aaron Donald. Know. 
Aaron Donald. Aaron, he's, Aaron Donald's he's, a guy yes. who uh, yeah, I was and he's got last leverage. Night. Like, he's got great, when Aaron Donald grabs you, it's yeah. like you that's feel a like real it's bear, a bear grabbing yeah, me. It's a real yeah. little no bear. Doubt. It's a little bear. Yeah, it's a, it might be a cub, but there's it's probably a fucking a, there's bear. probably an offensive lineman somewhere though that you just know in the end. I like snacks. Snacks is he can, snacks, he can, yeah, snacks he can, could he can could, handle a lot in there. He can hold his own. What's up? Akeem for our team is just a monster. He's well, Akeem I coached Hicks, him too. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, and he's great. And I, I forget that. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he came to us. Uh, he knows how to piss me off. I mean, that's kind of part of his job. Yeah. Right? You know, just to get yeah. you going. Oh, they piss each other but, off. Uh, Before I let you go, Matty P. Give me one reason why Detroit is an underrated city. Because I think a lot like Philly, okay, yeah. like they're not the same. But when I came no to doubt. Philly, you hear all this bullshit, and yeah. it's my favorite place. Absolutely. So and, tell me about Detroit and it's the why same it's thing. underrated. You know, I think uh, obviously, you know, you get the one vision of what it is, but it's not. You know, and you get out into the different areas of Detroit, or you go to the areas downtown where the stadiums are, and, uh, you know, it's amazing. The reason I love it, and, and you guys know this, uh, I love blue collar. Yeah. I just love yeah. grind it out, hard work, you know, people that aren't afraid to roll up their sleeves and go. And that's what the city yeah. is. And that's what I relate to. Yeah. You know, it's amazing is, you know, I'm rolling to work. It's like 3.30 in the morning. I'm like trying to get to the office. And I'm like, what are all the cars doing on the road? Like, you know, because I'm half awake. Detroit so it's a people danger. Are, that's Detroit all people. North is like yeah, that. Yeah, they're going to work. They're yeah. like hitting third shift. And they're, yeah. you know, and you like you get in that and you're like, that's oh, they're working? All yeah. right, I'm going to work. Yeah. Let's go. We're, yeah. we're all going to work right now to get better. And it feels good when you're playing in a city that matches the tone that you're trying to set no doubt. on the team. No so. doubt. And I think they relate to it. Well, I'm rooting for you guys, you guys. man. It's one of my few favorite teams I, now. Matty P, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Coach. Yeah, great to see you guys One of my favorites, man. You guys are the best. I appreciate you. Love you, man. Like yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell my guy nine one what up. I will. I will. He doesn't like me much. Who? <laughs> hey, Sean Robinson. Oh yeah. yeah. See you, bud. You Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Fun. Told you I'd be back. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate you. Right, hey. You yeah. You're taking off the next yeah. one. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Get, get, get out, out of here, coach. See you, bud. Go, go pack a dip. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks a lot. Okay. So that was Matt Patricia. Dude, he's the fucking he's the best. He's, he's, he's a lot of he's a lot of fun to play for. He's gonna work you hard. Um, you're gonna work your ass off. Of it's course. coaches like that that make me so glad I'm done playing because I know he just demands excellence. Listen, I'd love to go drink a beer with Matty P. I'd do it anytime I, I could. Um, but to do to go to go back to practice and have Matty P. yelling at me. Yeah. I mean, as fun as it was, he he's he's a tough coach and and you know what he gets the most out of his players. I. I think if, if Matt can stay healthy, I, I worry about, uh, you know, that shoulder stuff, um, you know, but if, they, if he can stay healthy and they continue to build to get the run game going, uh, they're not going to be bad because as you look at the NFC North now, you, you're just retiring. It is up in the air. You can speak a little more freely. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, you don't know who's going to be where, what's going to be what, and honestly, with the things you were alluding to, with the progress that Detroit made under Matt Patricia, it's only a matter of time before Detroit is one of those spots in the NFC North that's in the running for it every year. Right, absolutely. No, I mean, you know, if you're in Green Bay, you wonder how much longer A-Rod wants to do it. Um, you know, they've also got issues defensively in Green Bay. Uh, you know, if you're in Chicago, there's issues there. I'm not going to make you speak on those. Um, you know, if you're in Minnesota, you know, you've got coaching changes happening. Stefanski leaves. Um, you know, you thought their window is kind of right now, so it's a win-now thing for them, and you've got limitations that you might worry about with Kirk. Uh, so Detroit, uh, you know, it's, um, 
it's 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 high time for them to to make a move. Joining us here on the Greenlight Road Show down in uh, Radio Row Super Bowl Miami is uh, one of my favorite guys, Boomer Sison, obviously a legend, 14-year career. Yes. Four-time Pro Bowler, played in the Super Bowl. Uh, legend and also a childhood friend of me and Kyle's. Kyle's childhood here too. friend. Yeah. I don't know about childhood friend. Who's the friend. best babysitter? The best babysitter. Yeah, I visited your parents and the three of you, Howie Jr., of course, all assaulted me on your couch. <laughs> and your dad was laughing and your mom was mortified. Yeah, and well. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, this was like, I, you were the oldest, so you had to be about six. Yeah. You were probably about four. Two or three, probably. Right? Yeah, but he looked and like little Howie five. was like all over me. And Boom. it was like a madhouse. Boomer's like, you were about nine, you were about three. Yeah. Kyle's a big-ass toddler. <laughs> yes, so he was. He's still a big-ass you know, toddler. You know what's amazing? So Lil Nas X just comes walking through here. <laughs> and you're like, who's this guy with the cowboy hat? And I'm like, is he serious? I don't know. That's Lil Nas X. Hey, Boomer, OK Boomer now. So that's what Kyle yes. said. Kyle's yes. the OK, he okay we Boomer. We got OK Boomer. Because you're thinking like, OK Boomer. We go, who the hell is this guy in the cowboy hat? He goes, Nas X. I'm like, oh, OK. You know, I think and I was like, who is oh, Lil Nas X? So, so you're here, so, so you're here with Hummus. Yes. Let's talk about hummus. All right, several hummus. So uh, I'm in a Super Bowl commercial because I think your dad wasn't available. Yeah. Okay, so they stop. needed somebody. <laughs> so it's interesting. Uh, your dad and I have the same agent as yeah. you do, as you know. Yeah. So Steve Rosner calls me and says, hey, do you like hummus? I said, yeah, I love hummus. He doesn't like hummus. And then he says, do you want to do a Super Bowl commercial for Sabra hummus? I'm like, now I really love hummus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got to be a part of a Super Bowl commercial. I'm, I'm one of about eight or nine different people, personalities yeah. that are in it. So I have about a five or six Thank second uh, little bit in it. But I'm also in it because of my age, because yeah. I'm the OK Boomer generation. So we got to bring the boomers into the hummus game? Of course. Because my and son loves hummus. Waylon, my yes. three-year-old, Big hummus he'll fan. eat a bowl of hummus and no other food for dinner. I'm like, that's all he accepts. He only accepts hummus. <laughs> so look, it's all about keeping relevancy. So for me, uh, being a part of this, and I'm in it with uh, Charlie DiMaleo, who's a TikTok influencer. TikTok, now you're dropping more millennial knowledge. That's me, on. man, I know what's going on. <coughs> so she, she's about 15, I think she's 15 years old. So I, I've checked out a few of the TikTok videos. Yeah. She's got a couple that have like four and a half million views. And so to. the, it's really, it's about the dichotomy of her being the young and the TikTok, TikTok generation. Yeah. And me, the okay boomer, part of the commercial. So it's great. Well, I love it. I love hummus, and I love seeing my guys. So you played in the Super Bowl, and it was here in Miami. Yes. But you played in the Super Bowl, and it was here in Miami in the 80s. Yes. Okay? Different. So, like, what are the differences? Do oh. you imagine these guys getting ready? You see Radio Row. You see probably their schedule, you know, what they can and can't do and what guys were doing in the 80s. Dude, what you've been through this, man. Being a leader? Man, I'll tell you, we had a problem in the 80s because uh, Miami was uh, basically under lock and key. There's a portion of Miami called Overtown that was going through riots. It was, uh, it was a whole thing with the police and a killing and a shooting, yeah. and it was ugly. And we were staying at a hotel right across <coughs> the street from that part of the city. And I'll never forget the police chief telling us, look, whatever you do, don't make a left out of a hotel parking lot. Yeah. Make a right, right if you want to go to the beach because right. it wasn't like this. And uh, it was the first year of that stadium that uh, was called Pro Player Stadium or Joe Robbie Stadium, I Joe think, Robbie, when it first right. opened. And we had a, it was raining and all that other stuff. We also had a player who was suspended the night before the game. Stanley Wilson, who was our starting fullback, had been suspended three times because of drug use. Uh, our head coach, Sam Weish, found him in his hotel room because he was missing from the night before meeting. And Sam was always a prankster and a little bit of a jokester for us to try to cut the edge off of things. Yeah. He then comes back to our meeting and he's crying 
Right. And we're all wondering if he's just playing us. Right. And then he said, uh, guys, I have some bad news. And then he said, Stanley. And as soon as he said Stanley, we all knew he was talking about Stanley Wilson, our right. former teammate. And he said, uh, Stanley's not going to play tomorrow. Uh, he's in bad shape right now. And it looks like we've had a relapse, something along those lines. So Sam then took the coaches out of the team meeting room the night before the game to go discuss with the coaches. And I'll never forget my dear teammate, my dear friend, Chris Collinsworth, who was on the previous (coughs) Bengals Super Bowl team in 83, uh, stands up before the team like a leader. Now, wide receivers are not leaders. I don't know how you guys feel about that, right? Did he have the same voice? Did he have the broadcast voice when he was... Uh, no, he had a higher voice at that time. <coughs> but he was, a, he was a great teammate, a great teammate yeah. and a great player. Yeah. When you look at him now, you'd never know that. But right, you the, know, people think about it. It's like my dad now or you being on TV a yeah. bunch. Some people don't even know. That we're like, players. No, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So he gets up in front of the team like a leader. Like your dad, I can see your dad doing this, like pulling his pants up and getting in front of us and everything as my microphone falls down. It's all good. This show is totally. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you you guys are kind of effed up a little bit. Yeah. So Chris Collinsworth stands up in front of us and goes, "Guys, we got to win this one for Stanley." And the whole team was like, "What? (laughs) We're winning for Stanley? He's not even here anymore." (laughs) I always. I always felt bad about it because I always felt like we were on borrowed time with right, Stanley. Right. And he was such a big part of our run game and our right. offense and our special teams that he it turned out to hurt us at the end because we had about three third down and about three or fours that normally we would make. And we no didn't brainers. make those in this game, right? So we, we missed it. So that was my memory of the Super Bowl 23 down here in Miami. Right. Which wasn't a great it's memory. It's hard for but, players, man. Yeah. And when I was in the Super Bowl, there were two times. One, I was in Houston playing for New England, but we were we were lucky to have a team with experience so guys knew how to handle that trip. And nobody's screwing around on Bill's watch. Right. Now, we had a young team in Philly that I would have been worried about, but we were in Minneapolis. <laughs> that was the blessing. Nobody wanted to go outside. Yeah, you go outside and freeze to death. So who do you like Sunday? What do you, what do you see happening? Well, you know what? I love big offensive linemen right here, Biggs. Yeah, shut up. I know. I'm not a big fan of defensive linemen not, like you are because okay. I know that's why you're going for the 49ers. But me and my man here think Patrick Mahomes and the offensive line of the Kansas Schwartz. City Chiefs are going to get it done, right? Actually, they have a great, they have a great you team. Got, you got, yes. You got the, the – I like Kansas City. Oh, you do? Because tie for me goes to the quarterback. I think San Francisco's team's better. My biggest fear is a dominant front seven, and his biggest fear is a, like an offense that's explosive. All that explosive and, motion scares yeah, all, all that crazy quarterback stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. If you're if you're the defensive line, if you're Rob Salata, defense yeah. coordinator of the 49ers, what is he telling his defensive linemen? I think he's telling his defensive linemen to rush Pat Smart and don't leave big B-gaps. I know he's going to drop to 11 Is he saying trust what you see, or is he saying don't he, trust what you see? He's saying communicate is yeah. what I think. Yeah. You know, if, if the tackle's going to take the inside move, then needs to know that, and vice versa. Right. You know, it's, there can't be these big gaps for Pat to, you know, that play he had against Tennessee Explosive right the half. Yes. I mean, that's a backbreaker. So. It is, and you gotta, you got <coughs> you got to stay true to your position. you got to stay true to your – you know, what your instincts are, but you know the thing that makes me laugh about defensive linemen—they actually talk like they know schemes and stuff. Like we have to know what we're doing. Yeah, we got our book like, is this big. They don't know what our they're book doing. is this big. All we, we have to do is be good looking and being smart. They love being dumb and playing smart. All yes. we have to do is be good looking and athletic. <laughs> okay, guys, you know, yes. like you, you offensive guys, you got these big ass books. I'm not impressed, but hey, it's an iPad. You couldn't handle before it. you roll because I know you're a hot ticket yes. here. Uh, yeah, I'm a hot ticket, all right. No, you are the hum- the hummus guy. Hot boxer. 
you're a four-time Pro Bowler, come he on. He just told us who Nas X was too. So, so, yeah. so I want, I want one, one reason. All the playing accolades are awesome, and I always knew you as, a, as an amazing player. But one thing is, I've kind of launched my post-career stuff and, and the charity stuff that I looked up to you about is the way you've grown your foundation. Oh, thanks. Um, I think you've done a tremendous job. You know, you're a benchmark for how to do that. Can you walk me through how that all got started and how it grew? Well, you know, it wasn't easy, but I got started in raising money for cystic fibrosis even before my son Gunnar was born. Yeah. It was all the way back to 1989. So two years later, Gunnar was born. He did not show any signs of the disease at the age of, you know, at, at birth. It wasn't until two years later and I became the quarterback of the Jets that we found out that he had cystic fibrosis. And Frank DeFord was the chairman of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation back then. He had lost his daughter, Alex, to the disease at the age of eight. Yeah. So you can imagine, you know, when you're a parent, you're thinking the, all the worst things. He was the second phone call I made after I called my dad and told him what, uh, what Gunnar was diagnosed with. And Frank DeFord said, Boomer, this is a blessing. You, I know you don't see it that way right now, but we need a personality for this disease. So here we are some 30 years later uh, from when I first started. Gunner is 28 now. He just started on a new drug that we've invested millions and millions and millions of dollars in. Uh, he told me about six months ago, he said, Dad, my future is unlocked, finally. Yeah. Uh, after a 28-year struggle with the disease, he's not cured, but this new drug has really lessened the symptoms of the disease as to where now he's at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth getting his masters. I, I cried when he told me that. And he and I play ice hockey together. I know it's hard for you guys to believe and see me on ice on ice skates. I can't skate, so. Right, but we've been doing it for years and years and years. And we had a game this past summer, and he came off the ice like I've never seen him before. He wasn't huffing, he wasn't puffing, huh. he wasn't spitting up a lot of stuff. And I drove home with him, I said, how you feeling? He goes, man, I feel great. You know, I said, you wanna get some pizza? Yeah, let's go get some pizza. And I'm like, do you, do you understand what's happening to you right now? And, it, and he had a pause for a moment, and all of a sudden a tear came down out of his eyes because, Dad, it's finally happening. And his future has been unleashed, and uh, he's an amazing young man. He's much like you two guys are for your parents. Well, I remember and him running around. That and, just, and, yes. And it's, uh, it's cool because, you know, like, like they told you, I mean, it's a tremendous challenge, and I'm sure you would never wish that on anybody. Never. But you, you, you were the right people to take it on, and no. I appreciate people like you stepping up and making That's a big amazing. difference. That's amazing. Well, thanks, so. guys. You know, I'll never forget, your dad retired, and I had a golf tournament in Long Island, and your dad showed up. Yeah. And I had this big frame made up of, with his jersey in the middle of it, mm -hmm and all these pictures around it from all the years that he had played. Yeah. And I presented it to him at, at my golf tournament. I had a next, another one that we were gonna auction off. And, and your dad was up there like amazed that we were doing this. And I think we got like $35,000 for the other one that he signed and took a picture with, mm -hmm. uh, with the people that bought it. And I think he was amazed that I could do something like that in New York. And if it weren't for being in New York and being on the media and basically being on the Jets for those three years, I don't necessarily know that we would have ever gotten the amount of money, $200 million that we have gotten. The fan base, it's the market, crazy. it matters, and yeah. you took advantage of it. 100%. So. 100%. So appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks Great to by. see you guys. And thanks for not jumping on me. Yeah, yeah you got it. Yeah. You're the man, dude. Good <laughs> seeing you.
It's the coolest guest I've had on uh, Greenlight Podcast, Dr. Oz, somebody I grew up watching on TV, and I'm always, I'm Mr. WebMD, I'm always, you know, like, I got questions for the internet all the time about my health. Now you're sitting right here, I got a bunch of them, some were hangover uh, related. We'll talk about hangover, but you mentioned WebMD, so Oprah and I started a company when my show started 10 years ago yeah. called ShareCare. Yeah. The guy who runs it is the man who founded WebMD, Jeff oh, Arnold, who's a great athlete. He's helped me a lot. Yeah, he has. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it is, Remarkable how much that has changed the world. Most countries don't have the equivalent of a yeah. WebMD or a share care. They got to just go figure it out for themselves. Well, we're the country that needs it the most. I know, right? exactly. Where hangovers are probably number one search item this week, probably. You know, there's Sickness Monday, Super Sickness Monday. No. 14 million people will call out of work on Monday because they are sick. From the Super Bowl. From the Super Bowl. That's they insane. Call, that they, just goes to show that nobody's watching the game. They're like, partying yeah. it up. They don't remember the game. Yeah, they don't remember <laughs> the game. And yeah, I just learned this. You're a Philly guy. I am. Yeah, I was born, you know, I. I grew up in the Philadelphia area, huge Eagles fan. There we go. Huge Eagles Dude, fan. Dude, I love this. This is I, awesome. And I, when I came, I come to the game every year, but I came two years ago, and I, I sat with the 76ers. Oh, really? To watch the victory. And that... It's <laughs> a playoff game. Yeah, the Super Bowl. Oh, it's, you get a Super Bowl. Oh, you Super came Bowl. to the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Cold. And that was it's cold there. Talk about sick. Did you know the entire team was sick? No, are you kidding? I mean, like, we could have, we should have called you. I would have fucking hit you up. I'd have, I'd have said, hey, Doc, come help us out here. I didn't know that. Well, we were staying in the Mall of America, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you know the Mall of America, it's uh, two I... hotels annexed by the, the mall. Right. And the Patriots were all sick. We were all sick. It's just germs passing, and nobody could go outside. Well, zero well this this event was in that walkway between the two hotels in the Mall of America. Yeah. And there was a, there's a zip line there, and I yeah, just always line. think this is like a, it's like a petri dish. Yeah, dude, come on. I mean, well, how did you play like that with with that? Well, I I am very aware of my body, and like I'm one of those people. I wouldn't say a hypochondriac, but I'm like borderline, especially <laughs> an athlete. You're getting ready for the biggest game of your life, so when you start to feel a little run down, you know when the sickness is coming on, you're like common cold, whatever. I'm Friday night. I'm sitting there. I'm like, am I getting chills? Like, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. And, and there was guys getting IVs, and you know it was it was undercover kind of bad. And when a flu bug hits or something like that in a locker room, forget staff. I mean, yeah. but like it just bounces around fast. So, so uh, what did it? So they give you IVs, they put you on antivirals. What did they do to get you guys better so you could play on Sunday? I guess you know we take a lot of Z packs. Okay, yes. uh, you try not to take too many because then they don't work, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know the fluids. They say rest, but they're talking out of both sides of their mouth because they're like, get your rest, you gotta be down here at 7 a.m. tomorrow and we'll be working. Well, the rule of thumb if you're sick is if the illness is above your neck, exercise. Okay. It actually opens up your passages. If the illness is below your neck, don't work out. Really? Because if, if you had a, a true virus with muscle pains and yeah, aches yeah. and intestinal, I mean, who wants to go diarrhea on a treadmill? Please. No, 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 no. It's no, not no, good. Man. I've tried it. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but you're a Birds <laughs> fan. <laughs> I'm a Birds fan. You're a Birds fan and you're an athlete. I played football in college. Played in Philadelphia area also, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, and I was all state. In fact, my my only big concussion was yeah. in that all star game that I played in. Really? But uh, in college, I never got hurt. Uh, of course, I wasn't good enough to play at your level. But it well, was. You actually made a good decision yeah. if you had a choice. I mean, like I'd have rather been you than me. But so. I, you know, I was thinking about this recently because I get asking, getting asked, would I recommend sports to my kids? And my yeah. son did play football. Yeah, he was yeah. captain of his team in high school, and I encouraged him. And I t told them what I'm, I will tell your your listeners and viewers. Football changed my life. Yeah. It taught me to compete. It taught yeah. me how to deal with failure. Yeah. It taught me how to win. Yeah. And the reason our country does so well vis-a-vis -vis other nations is because we actually teach our youth how to do those things. Yeah. There's no class in high school about you know, leadership 101. Yeah, no, no, no. Right? You That's gotta, why I always think football should get a credit uh, because I've applied things that I learned like in college playing for Al Groh at Virginia yep. and, 
and the teamwork, the, the, the problem solving, the social stuff. I mean, like getting to, to go to work every day with kids that did not grow up where I grew up. I mean, it was a, it was a game changing experience for the rest of my life and you don't get a credit. You don't get paid, okay, that's one thing. But you don't get a credit, you spend eight hours in the building. It's like, especially when you were at Harvard, right? Yes. Yeah. So how do you manage that? It's crazy. It, 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 the, the juggling that's required for a college athlete to perform is remarkable, but I don't know of a college athlete that's not thrilled that they had the opportunity to learn those classes. Yes. Because the mentoring that we got yeah. with, with I coach Restic when yeah. I was playing at Harvard uh, was imp incredibly important to my future. Yeah. And when I was talking to my son about playing college sports, I said, I don't even care if you're any good. Have a good coach. Right. Because no one's going to mentor you that way. And we, I'm on the president's council for fitness and nutrition. It's an, a real crisis in America. We don't have any coaches. Yeah. We don't have any high school coaches. We don't have any middle school coaches. Yeah. A lot of people who used to coach don't have the time or the money anymore. The kids don't want to play it's sports. It's a thankless job, it relatively is, speaking. Except if you're actually it's doing like teaching. it. It's, it's like, like teaching. Thing. But that is what made this country what it is. Yeah. And we have forfeited that with the belief that test scores equate them. Listen, I studied math and biology and I, mean, I had to do it to be a doctor. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Yeah. I'm not in any way dismissing the value of that. But this nation will not be the nation that it could be if we don't have a rite of passage for young people to become adults. Absolutely. And we lose that if we don't endorse the arts and sports. I include the arts on purpose. It's not about a bunch of eggheads you know, banging their, their heads together. No. It's about the fact that extracurricular activities are critical to the, to, the, to the nation. It's funny the way we do look at art and football uh, and the, the way that we treat one as you know acceptable kind of intellectual exercise. And it's art. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, something academic necessarily, but neither is football, but both, you know, build a ton of skills. And, you know, I don't know why football always gets the stigma because we're all meatballs, I guess. But, uh, but well, there's some really smart players I play with. You have to be very smart to play in a league a long oh, time. Sure. It, you know, to play in college and balance that time and everything at, at Harvard or Virginia, it's, it's crazy. Well, so. you're connecting dots. Yeah. When you're playing sports yeah. and art, it's the same thing. Yeah. In sports, you're, whatever your position is, you're doing 3, 3D spatial reconstructions. Yeah. Uh, the brain is actually tasked in ways that are much more complicated than studying a, a differential equation in calculus. And they're both important, but yeah. they're different. And art, similarly, allows you to, to connect the dots for creativity that yeah. others can't, yeah. that's a real uniqueness. Yeah. And you use it, and I'll tell you, in heart surgery, there's a disproportionate number of athletes because so many of us actually learn to deal with the, the, the pressure of being in the OR. Yeah. Think about it, we're taking a knife to your chest. Yeah, dude, right? I mean, there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence yes. there. And sports does that same thing. You gotta be confident you can make it, but not so much you do foolish things to hurt your team. Right, you can't be that gambler. No, you there's can't, a, a don't be line. that person. So you, so you mentioned, you mentioned the, the concussion thing. That's always on the radar of everybody. Before you, 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 you you're the perfect guy to talk to. You watch, did you watch the Hernandez doc? I had Jonathan Hernandez on my show yesterday. I, okay, okay. And, and he wouldn't go on the dock yeah. because he didn't like the way they're doing it. So we had him and his mom has some video that we, uh, audio material from prison right. actually, talking to Aaron on it. And it is so compelling to me, his story. Yeah. Because it wasn't just CTE. It wasn't just uh, tra yeah. traumatic encephalopathy, although that was a big part of yeah. it. Uh, his, he was sexually abused as a child, uh -huh. which Jonathan shared with me. Jonathan was his quarterback yep. uh, initially. So the, uh, two years older and felt terribly guilty that Aaron was abused and he was unaware of it. He couldn't protect his younger brother. Their father was a great athlete, but abusive. Abusive. And he said, it's, it's, it slapped the gay out of you. I'm sorry, that's his, his word, no, not mine. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's how yeah. they phrased it. So he couldn't be honest about who he was. So he lived a lie and he created a conflict in his mind that started to expose itself when he was playing in Florida. Yeah. And that team had 20 people go to the pros. I mean, yeah. these guys were, Tim yeah. Tebow was his quarterback. You know, he had everything, everything. Yeah. A five-year 
uh, $40 million contract for the Pats and a great athlete, and yet he threw it away because he couldn't live the lie anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a life lesson for all of us, which is why the Aaron Hernandez story is not about good or bad yeah. for the NFL. It's about the fall of, a, of a, a potential great American, what went wrong. And I also think like it's a lesson with people, and I, I'm not a CT denier, and I mean, tau protein is observable in the brain. You yeah. can't do it while we're living, obviously, but if you cut me open right now, I might have some in yeah. my head. Yeah. Now, I might, I'm, I might I'm have act, some. You might have some. We're acting normally, yeah. so my issue is always like the jumping the gun on predicting a behavioral outcome. Like, I don't think we're there yet. What, what do you say? Not there at all. It also yeah. depends what part of your brain develops yeah. the most impact. The prefrontal cortex, where Aaron did have a lot of damage yeah. at autopsy, yeah. is the decision-making part of the brain. Right. And so DJ J Jonathan right. uh, was pretty honest about saying that he do, does believe it influenced his decision-making yeah. process. And uh, Jonathan shared some insights about what his brother was going through after he was convicted yeah. of killing his best friend. And why do you right. kill your best friend? His Basically, his brother-in-law he killed. Right. And that's not normal behavior. Right. So I think it was part of it, but it wasn't a lot the of older. traumas. That's and that's the whole thing yeah. is like we just ignore all these like for society that wants to talk about mental health and say we need to get better at it. We pop on the Hernandez documentary and most people's takeaway is oh, his brain was broken. There was ten there were ten traumas in his yeah. life. Over I, and over I again. Counting. I mean yeah. and <laughs> it's the complete picture of, you know, what I hate is when somebody tells me is that like I played football for 11 years, so I'm gonna automatically lose my agency at some point. You know, there's plenty of good examples of guys that played for a long time. Yeah. We just don't know enough yet. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So. I think a lot of the attention shouldn't be on professional football players who made a decision as an adult. Yeah. And to your point, I think most would be okay. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know, and that mystery is fear. It yeah. induces fear. But I don't want to have moms not let their kids play football anymore. Right. That's not good for any of us. Yeah. And that's going to happen if we're not serious about the illness and start doing some, uh, some investigations about how to diagnose it earlier. As an example, we know that young kids, if they get hurt, they'll bounce back pretty quickly. Yeah. But you got to make a diagnosis. Right. And I know a lot of uh, young people in the pros don't want to get pulled out of a game because that's their chance. Right. And so we need to make professional football players feel comfortable telling the truth if they've been hurt. And that's a big stigma that yeah. was around for a long time. And you see it with guys on the sideline that don't look right and they don't want to come out of the game because it's the ultimate like peer pressure sport and it's the alpha male like I can't show weakness. If you if you had a, a, took a, a bad hit and yeah. had a, a head injury that you thought was concussion, would you pull yourself yeah. out of a game? Uh, if it was bad enough, I would. Depending on the game. Well, and that and that's that's the problem. Yeah. Is like if I get dinged in the Super Bowl, good luck. You got to pull me out. And I think that's <laughs> where you know they have to take it out of players' hands. Um, you know they have to they have to say you know we're going to take this decision out of these guys' hands because we're ingrained to just push through everything. Well, the good news is we're going to have the ability to diagnose tau protein release uh, on a blood test probably. So we're close. We're getting close. Generation and, away. Oh, no, 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 a couple years. Well, not great. not even a couple years. I, I mean, I saw some really exciting data recently. It, it could be. A year or two, yeah, yeah, but that'll help. But ultimately, I think the best way of figuring out that you had a concussion yeah. um, is your processing time for decisions. Yes. And those are tests you can do right now. Yes. They ought to be enforced not just at the NFL but throughout all sports. Yeah. And you know, give yourself a week or two off, and you'll be able to bounce back and not have had a long-term impact, most likely from the concussion. All NFL players should be on antioxidant regimen and be taking omega threes during the season because yeah, it helps yeah. the brain rebuild itself. Uh, and then there's going to be some point where you say, okay, it's just too much of a risk for you. Yeah, yeah. As great as you are, your career is now over. Yeah. And uh, that's okay because yeah. I want you to be around and play the longer. I want to play with my kids and exactly. I, I, want to be, I want to be present. You, you mentioned uh, we're talking about concussions. I feel like I have a concussion right now, Doc, but I have a hangover. 
okay? <laughs> I didn't realize that martinis are more than one unit of alcohol usually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so my question about hangovers, and I've been feeling this way a long time, is if, if there are all these secret hangovers, like why do I hear so many cures, these hangover you know, fixes, none of them work. If, if one worked, everybody would be doing it. The only solution You're is not to drink, right? very smart drinker. Most right? people do not acknowledge that. In medicine, is an adage. If you've got more than one solution, you have no good ones. Dr. Oz called me a smart drinker. This <laughs> <is great. laughs> but here's, here's the thing. Uh, the reason you get a hangover, it's getting to the pathophysiology I here. love pathophysiology. Okay. So the brain is like a walnut. It shrivels down yeah. when, you're, when you're hungover because it's primarily about dehydration, but the coconut skull stays the same. So you're basically shaking that walnut inside of Ugh, this coconut. Yeah, that's how I feel. It hurts, right. So a uh, couple things. First off, if you can alternate alcohol with water continually yeah. through the evening, that's really helpful. Because mm -hmm. if you're not dehydrated, you won't have a problem. Number two, clear alcohols are much safer. When you have darker alcohols, the brandies, the whiskeys, that congener, which is what makes it dark, is yeah. a toxin. It's mm -hmm. actually really difficult for the, the body to deal with that. Clear alcohol is tequila is my favorite. Okay. Uh, you what get tequila it, do you like? I like Don Cuevos. I, I mean, I like them all. You like them yeah, all. They, yeah, I'm a big tequila fan. And okay. I, part of the reason I love it is it's got agave in it. Right? Yeah. It comes from agave, so it's a little bit Swedish, yeah. but it's not. It, there's not more calories than other alcohols. Yeah. So 66 calories for an ounce. Yeah. You can put a little seltzer water or lime, and that's all you need. So if you're on a diet, and all that's why all the women love tequila. That's yeah. why the, the, the space is exploding. The people in great shape are all drinking tequila. tequila. What's up, dude? Prince is there. I got Dr. Oz here on the show. My buddies, uh, this is the great thing about this week is you run into all your friends. So, Or you just serve drinks here, you all set. No, it would be great. Now, now my follow-up question on the, on the clear liquor is, I eat the olives out of the martini glass. Is that safe? They say lemons are the, the most unsafe thing in a restaurant. Le lemons are unsafe because of the rind. Okay. Uh, I'm not concerned about the olives as much. Okay, good, Because good, we, don't, good, good, we, we, don't, we don't all handle the olive. Uh, real quick, uh, before I let you go. Marijuana, I, think that's I a, see. I got marijuana on here. I've been, I made news because evidently I'm like a serial killer because I smoke marijuana. I, yeah, I saw it. Oh, I came are, out are, are, and revealed that I, I So know, why do you smoke the marijuana? devil's lettuce. Uh, I was devil's lettuce. Yeah, I was an insomniac like my whole life. Also helps me manage my stress. You know, I have anxiety, you know, not terrible, not debilitating. And you know, Brandon Brooks, who plays for the Eagles, yeah. had to miss a game because of panic attacks this year. Yeah. Not like that, but my whole life, trouble sleeping, etc. cetera. Uh, for me, uh, it settles me down at the end of the night and I'm very thoughtless as I drift off. How old sleep. were you when you started smoking marijuana? Golly, uh, first year of college. Okay, so a couple of things about marijuana. I'm a big fan of medical marijuana. Yeah. I think it is a, a hypocrisy that we will be embarrassed about for generations if we don't deal with the reality that medical marijuana is safer than opiates. A lot of pro athletes do better with medical marijuana than the drugs they might take for chronic aches and pains. Insomnia is probably a pretty good tool. Anxiety for sure it's effective yeah. on. And we should be using it in older folks as well because yeah. some of the chronic issues they're facing are better dealt with with marijuana. marijuana it's safer. That stated, I don't want young people smoking recreationally. Because, I agree. I agree. Uh, well, there's a brain development thing, exactly. right? Yeah, the teenagers is and, not good. And you don't want to grow up thinking you got to smoke pot to be able to get through life. If by the time you're in college, that's mostly gone. Yeah. But I don't want high schoolers feeling that's I part agree. of their equation. I agree. But you get past that, then most people are on the same page here. 34 states have embraced medical marijuana. Yeah. I actually believe we ought to make it acceptable for older folks because yeah. they're safe. Yeah. Let, it, let people who are struggling with, with aging issues yeah. smoke marijuana. The government has got to get out of the way. People at the DEA, NFDA, NFDA are not against marijuana. Yeah. They just want to regulate it, right. which I think they're right on. And CBD is a problem because CBD, half of it's fake. It's all fake. So, I get the good stuff, the full spectrum. Right, the but most people don't stuff. know how to get the most good stuff. Most people are going to a, a gas station taking this bullshit. And then also these vape pens, you know, that are killing yeah. people, the vitamin E yeah. oil in the, there. They so ought to regulate, regulate it. it. Thank safe. you. 
Thank you. We agree. Yeah. I, the Dr. devil's Oz, lettuce. Man, this is awesome. This is this is the man here. Philly fan too. What a show, guys. I mean, like, not bad for a hangover uh, and absolutely no plan. I mean, we were just running around grabbing people, and uh, there's plenty of great people to see and talk to here. We'll be back with more later today in some form or fashion, so keep an eye out. Content will keep rolling uh, from Miami.